Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank, Thank you for having me. me. You are welcome. Uh, you know, we uh, we just came off. Would, would you agree a fantastic World Series? Yeah, yeah. yeah every, every everything you could possibly want in a World, World Series, Series. I would say it was such a blast. It was such an exciting World Series. Um, but we're not going to talk that much about this one. There's we, we do have our draft coming up in, in our next episode, and, and we're going to really hit the World Series. But but I do want to say, because we, 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 we exchanged many, many texts uh, through this, uh, it was really, you know, and I say this, I'm a Cleveland guy, obviously not super thrilled with the ending. Um, but I, I would also say I've never had an experience where the team that I've rooted for all my life lost, and yet I still felt, like, pretty good. Like, I still, I mean, it was, you know, sure, there's, it's always a little pang of disappointment, obviously, but easily, like my favorite, like loss as a which is there are a lot of them as a Clevelander. Yeah, I would, I would imagine that it felt a little bit like not in some ways not all like this, but a little bit like the Yankees in two thousand one because the Yankees in two thousand one had the burden of the city of New York post nine eleven on their shoulders. And they, it was a sort of feel-good story for the city happening right in the aftermath of that event. And they lost that series, but they lost it in a way where the whole city still felt great. Yes. Like the dramatic, you know, late innings, end of the game, comebacks, and the, like all of these kind of spectacular moments uh, that, that gave the city something to be happy about in the midst of... You know, it's, it's like, like almost no one even remembers that they lost. <laughs> no, it's right. That's and, right. And it's, it's not obviously like that with, with Cleveland for the simple reason that Cleveland hasn't won anything in 70 years. But in the same way, there was a, there was so many wonderful things for them to like be happy about over the course of the series. It makes it less terrible than if they had just been blown out. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, I think I think the big the big aspect of it really is. Um, you know, it's never, you never, ever get to the point where, hey, both teams won, right? I mean, they, they always, oh, this is one of those things that both teams, you you know, neither team deserved to lose. That happens all the time. So it's never like that because one team does lose. Um, but this was honestly like as far down that road as you could go. Yeah. Because, because not only did the Cubs win, which is awesome and a super cool story, and I, I couldn't, I've just been... I didn't even realize how many friends I have that are Cubs fans. I've just been hearing from them daily, just dozens of them. And they all have, like, the the heartbreaking, you know, storage. Uh, not to drop names, although I will just drop a name. Uh, I'm very good friends with Joe Montagna, the actor. And Joe sends me this, this email about watching the game with his 101-year-old mother. I mean, like, what, what are you going to do with that? You know, I mean, it's like, that's... You can't be like, oh, you suck. I mean, it's like, no, this is this is this is so to the heart, and and it also frees us up, which I'm in a good position to do to hate the Cubs from now on. So sure. I think that's you know this is it. They got their moment, um, and also the way Cleveland played. It's not just that. It's it's Cleveland taking it to the brink, and that was as exciting, overachieving a team in my view as as you'll find. So. Awesome. We'll talk a lot more about the World Series in the next one. Uh, before we do our, our faux argument this week, uh, I have to ask you, so, like, am I done with with uh, with the good place for, like, months now? Is that it? <laughs> yes. 
stage, uh, you left us like, no, don't do that. <laughs> the ninth episode of the show aired last Thursday, and now we are off until January because NBC starts airing the Thursday night football game. Uh, so all Thursday night programming is on a delay until January. So unfortunately, yes, there's no new episode of Good Place until January, and there's only four left once we get there. But I will say that because the show is so... Uh, serialized and so sort of sequential this will give hopefully give people a chance to sort of catch up on episodes they might have missed in preparation for the end stretch which you will definitely want to do if you're interested in watching it because it'll make uh it's, it'll be much more satisfying let's put it that way if you have seen every episode it's it's uh, really yeah i mean it, i mean you you were you've, you've said this in, in a couple of others it's so true it really is it's a it's one long story so yes. it's i mean it is totally serialized that said, I did notice two weeks ago a previously on the good place little. It was it was only like one second long, but it was still there was a previously. Which well, I, that, that episode began in such a if you didn't do if we we, we backed up and basically played the last ten seconds of the episode. You did that's right. And we and we did that simply because we thought, wow, if you haven't seen the last one, there's really no way for you to have any idea what's going on. So we just, it wasn't really previously on with like a bunch of clips where we jumped around. It was really just the last eight or ten seconds of the previous episode where Ted Danson's character makes a big announcement and then we just sort of continued right from there. But you won't yeah, be seeing no, any more of those from here on out. It was it was great because it, I almost imagine you guys in the writers room going, All right, we don't do previously on, and then it's like. Man, if you tune in this show, you literally will have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you're, you're in trouble, trouble, yeah. <laughs> You'll be in trouble. So great, The Good Place. I can't recommend it uh, more highly. All right, let's 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 do our faux argument. And the great thing about this faux argument, uh, for, for podcast, experienced podcast listeners will appreciate this, uh, this is the second time we've had this faux argument because we had it last week and through various technical issues uh, that were not, not specific to, like, previous technical issues. This is a whole new one. Um, it got erased, so it's gone. So we, you never heard it. So, so we're gonna do it again. Uh, right. hopefully, exactly word for word as we did it last time because it was perfect. Or, or, or maybe we completely change our points of view just for fun <laughs> and say everything the exact opposite of what we said last time. Which would be great. We should do that. <laughs> All right. The full argument is about the NFL, and and the big question around the NFL these days is uh, what what the heck's going on? Is it is the NFL like really? Nobody thinks it's struggling or dying, but the ratings are down, attendance is down. There are there are teams in various cities uh, that that are absolutely not connecting with their cities. Uh, there's talk of movement. There's all kinds of things going on in the NFL right now. So really the question is, is this sort of a just weird blip year um, with the election going on, with everything else going on? Is this just a weird blip year or does the NFL have very significant issues um, that are going to last beyond this year? And what do you think? Well, so the overall, the reason this is even coming up is because, as you said, ratings are down basically across the board. The, across the board? The primetime games are down fairly significantly. Like 15%, 20%? Yeah. yeah. And also the, the regular run-of-the-mill Sunday games are also down a certain amount. So if you go... You, let's go like let's go possibility by possibility here, uh, or sort of you know the go one by one through the things that could be causing this. The first obviously is a 
little bit of a black swan uh, of the election, which is not just an election, it's the craziest election arguably in history. It's absorbing a lot of people's energy and time. The debates are insane. The, you know, the, the amount of like coverage that it's getting is, it's not just, you know, hey, this is important, we're electing a president. It's, a, it's completely consuming the country. Yes, it is. And so there's a fairly high probability that that's having some kind of effect. And there is some historical data that even in a normal election year, NFL numbers do go down a little bit. I mean, some of it, you know, debates go up against NFL games or whatever and, and, and take some of the, some of the uh, you know, audience away. Um, but also people just, yeah, I mean, they're voting. People are thinking about it, talking about it. They're watching the news. There's just a little bit more energy taken away. So there is a history to that. Um, let's assign a percentage. What do you think the percentage is of why the NFL – let's make 100% the amount the NFL is down – what percentage of that do you think is is the election? I'll say that's 10%. Yeah, that's what right. I have. Okay. 10%, right around there. All right. And, and then, then the next thing, uh, which, which, I, which I've been wondering about for a while, is the league is spreading itself pretty thin. It yeah. used to be games are played on Sundays, there's a game on Monday, right? Then they added the Sunday night game in prime time as a whole separate revenue stream, whole separate package of, of, uh, of games as a way to make money. Then they took the Thursday of Thanksgiving sort of like annual celebration idea and said, what if we do that every single week of the entire year? So now there's a bunch of games on Sunday. There's a game on Sunday night. There's a game on Monday night. There's a game on Thursday night. And not only does that sort of spread the specialness of the NFL a little thinner over the course of the entire week instead of making it feel like a real sort of once-a-week event, it also means that the quality of games that you see in those, especially in those primetime slots, goes down. And I, I believe that the reason for that is they had achieved such dominance in the, in the country in terms of, like, you know, people's attention and viewership that it's not just that they put games on Thursday night and Monday. They put the worst games there. They put terrible games there. And, you know, there's also all these other things like the, they, they, you know, because Thursday means a short week for whatever teams are playing, that means that there's a sort of a rule that only the teams only have to play one Thursday night game per year, which means as a result, you get, yay, congratulations, America, you have a Thursday night football game in primetime, that game is Jaguars-Titans, and that's like, it's just the deal, it's, it's, you can't have the league and all the games be special you know, three, four nights a week. And so the, those games now are are just bad. There are many of them are bad. The Monday night package is bad, which I know some people have insinuated maybe also a little bit of payback because the league wasn't happy with ESPN for various reasons. So it was like, oh, you're going to try to, you know, you're going to try to fight us ESPN here. Take terrible games the entire season as your punishment. So the, I, you know, if we're assigning a percentage, I think that let's look at quality of play. Like let's call it quality. Well, no, not quality of play. That's a separate issue. Quality of, of sort of prime time matchups, I think, is another ten percent. Right? Is that what you would say? Uh, yeah, ten to fifteen percent. I I have it even a little bit higher, and and I'll tell you why. I I think the the, the big issues to me are. One, it, it is too much. It's just too much. The, what, what made the NFL so special for so long was that it was once a week, you know, right. and Monday Night Football was like a little bonus. You got that. That was awesome. Um, but it was once a week. 
and and you waited all week for it and you built up everything all of your energy and and I can remember you know as a kid we've talked about this that feeling at the end of Sunday when when the last football game was played uh you're just like oh god a whole other week until I I can watch football and 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 frankly even then Monday Night Football was very highly rated no question if your team wasn't playing in Monday Night Football it was fine you'd watch it but it wasn't like you weren't building your week around Monday Night Football. You were right. watching it because it was on and it was better than whatever else might be on TV. Um, but realistically, if you fell asleep at halftime, you didn't care. It wasn't it wasn't that kind of programming. Um, then Sunday Night Football came and Sunday Night Football, I, I give that that's really the genius to me of, of a guy like a Dick Ebersol, you know, at NBC is he said, OK, look, Sunday Night Football is not just Sunday Night Football. It is the best game of the week. Every week we are making it the best game of the week, more or less, and we're going to put super high-level production on it, and we're going to make it a show, and we're going to have, you know, the, the the different people singing, you know, the whole deal, and, and it's going to be like this big, big, huge production. So that did become, I think, because everybody wants to watch the best game of the week. Yeah. And so I think that was really very smart. And then Monday Night Football became even less important at that point. Nobody even cared at all unless your team was playing. And again, if you if you want to watch something Monday night, maybe you watch football. And they took all of that and decided, you know what? People will watch whatever schlock we threw on television. Yeah. That's it. We and and I think it's arrogance, which is going to be a whole other issue. But I think that really speaks to the arrogance in the NFL. And I think what 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 the second part of that is, suddenly people watch these other Monday, you know, Sunday night, Thursday night, Monday night games that are not the best games of the week and do not feature the best teams, and they go, yeah, this isn't that much fun to watch. This these games are not that great, you know, and and this year we've had a particularly bad run of bad football games, and I think that hurts. So I'd say 10, 15 percent for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think you're right. right. It, it is. It does. The the, the word the right word is arrogant. It feels arrogant. It feels like we're so dominant. We're so we're so amazing. As a league, as a, a competition, we can literally put anything we want on TV and everyone will watch it because they have to. And I think what they're realizing now is they just don't – They that's not true. <laughs> you just won't. Where I'm not – I'm a huge, huge sports fan. I am not going to watch Titans-Jaguars on Thursday night. It's no interest for me. There's like And, and because, again, we have this once-a-week thing – there's just no compelling reason for me to watch most of the games that they put in that package. It yeah, also, by the way, side note, had the sad effect of causing Thanksgiving to not seem that special. You know, it's like, it, now it's Thanksgiving is just another Thursday where it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of games on, who cares? Well, that's the other thing. There are a bunch of games on. Like, it, it was two games. That was it. Right? It was your Lions game and your Cowboys game. Right. And it doesn't matter that the Lions and Cowboys, whether they deserve it or don't deserve it, don't care. Those two teams got Thanksgiving. It was special. And now it's like, oh, wait, I don't even know how many games. Like, aren't there two night games on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, there's, there's like an NFL Network game and, a, a, oh, and an NBC it's, game. It's, you know, it's, it's very interesting, though, because, you know, the, look, in boom times, all businesses expand. That's what you do in boom time. And the last 20 years has been a crazy boom time for the NFL. Yes. But in bust times, and I'm not saying these are bust times necessarily, you contract. And that's why, you know, for in certain times, you know, whole sports leagues have talked about contraction when, you know, when the NHL goes goes through a little bit of a down period or MLB goes through a down period. 
you got to talk about contraction. And I think in this case, contraction doesn't mean franchises. It means the number of days on which your product is available. Yes. And I, I think they're going to have to really consider that if this is the beginning of a trend and not a election year blip. So, okay, no. okay, so that's, let's say that's now we're up to 20, 25%. I would say the next thing will be just the overall quality of play. And as a, as a sort of, you know, um, companion piece, I would say it's a star problem. And you brought this yes. up the last time we talked about this before it disappeared into the ether of the internet. <laughs> but there, we have, there's a star problem in the NFL, and it has a corresponding bad play problem. The star problem is simply Peyton's gone uh, through a, a, an immense collection of, of brilliant decision-making processes. Tom Brady had to uh, sit out the first four games of the year. J.J. Watt is out for the year. Adrian Peterson is out for the year. A lot of the stars in the game, Tony Romo hasn't played yet, and obviously that has a little bit of an asterisk because of Dak Prescott playing well, but there's a lot of guys who've, who have been the, the sort of standard bearers of the league over the last 10 years who are now either gone or they're very old or they're out for the year with injuries, and as a result, partly for that because of that result and partly for maybe some other reasons, the games aren't very good. They're not very good. They're not very compelling. Like the, you know, Carson Palmer is another one. Carson Palmer had an amazing year last year, led his team to the NFC Championship, and he kind of stinks now. And that team kind of stinks. And Cam Newton got knocked around. He had to sit out. His team stinks. There, it's very hard to find compelling stars. Aaron Rodgers having a down year. Like it's very hard to to put together games where you're like, oh, I can't wait to see player A against player B. Right. And I feel like that this is probably 40 percent of the equation. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I just think it's the star thing to me is the biggest. If I'm gonna watch a game that I don't care about either team, which is you know which is almost all of them, right? I mean everybody's like that. I I want to be able to watch. Okay, I'm going to watch here. I love watching Aaron Rodgers play. Love just that's it's been one of my favorite things over the last five years to watch Aaron Rodgers play. I just he's brilliant. He's awesome in so many different ways. Just watching him throw a football is just is just it's art. You know, it's just it's so cool. He kind of stinks now. I mean, he kind of <laughs> stinks this year. Uh, and I'm blaming, by the way, that. That that's what is it? State Farm commercial, whatever that commercial is, where he throws the throws the uh, the golf club through the window and smashes it into his car window. Yeah, uh, whatever that commercial because he was on a run of incredible commercials. Um, that commercial is so bad, and I, I blame at least a part of his of his year on that. Um, but but I'm not. I don't. If Green Bay's playing, that doesn't mean anything to me anymore because Aaron Rodgers is not playing well, and I'm not saying he's done. I mean, he might come back and play great again. Um, I would suspect he will, but for right now, I don't want to watch Aaron Rodgers struggle. That doesn't do anything for me. What, what about Andrew Luck? That was supposed to be everything for the next 10 years, right? It was going to be Andrew Luck, watching Andrew Luck, you know, break every single record in, in the books. And that team is a disaster. It's just a, it's just a mess. And so I'm not watching that. I, I really think there's a real problem with there. We, it's like there was a transition period where you get all of these incredible players that took the game to unprecedented heights. I mean, I think 2015 was as high as the NFL could possibly go um, based on all of these great players sort of, you know, still at their peak or coming to an end like Peyton. And then the wave behind them is not 
particularly interesting, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's a little, little hard, hard to tell because there's no question that Andrew Luck is an, an absurd talent. Oh, yeah. But, but his franchise is, is a complete disaster. I mean, <laughs> it, the, the, the weirdest thing that happened quietly last year was that they re-upped both the coach of that team and the GM of that team for like three years or whatever. And, you know, Ryan Grigson has, has not done a good job. It's just so weird. They have a generational talent as a quarterback and a terrible franchise for the entire rest. The entire roster, 52 through 53, it needs to be evaluated. Uh, and maybe changes need to be made. Like, they need the OF team to come and just completely upend the entire organization. Um, but, but yeah, it, they have the opposite of what baseball has right now, which is if you're a baseball fan, the next 15 years look like the best 15 years in the history of baseball. It's true. There, there's like 50 guys who are 26 or below who are incredible talents. And yes. the, the thought of watching them play for the next 10, 15 years just gives you chills because it's so exciting to imagine – Francisco Lindor and in the World Series alone, by the way, how many how many guys are just in the World Series? Never mind the postseason are there. Think well, about, the whole, just think the whole about, Cubs infield, the yeah. whole Cubs infield, the entire Cubs infield, and then think about the other teams in the postseason, the entire Red Sox outfield, you know, the yes. entire, and the entire Red Sox infield for that matter, almost to a T. Uh, the the I mean the, the number of young pitchers and hitters and fielders who are who have a bright futures is never has never been higher in any time I can remember. And in football, it's the exact opposite. It, it feels like there's the usual number of guys, oh, that guy looks like he's a player. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, he's a rookie. What a great year he's having. But there's always a few guys like that. There's always, there's always a couple guys. And, and frankly, in football, it feels like five years from now, who, is, who's the, who are the guys that you're, that you're putting out, you know, in front and center and saying this is the league? I don't know who they are. You think you think you know. You think it's Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, whoever. But right now, a lot of those guys are struggling, and their teams are struggling. And for to in order to have those guys, you know, in order to say like, okay, this is Cam Newton's league, that the Panthers have to be good. The team has to win. It doesn't matter how good the players. The team has to be good. And right now, there's no one. I mean, the the there it's a real problem. So yeah. let's say that's thirty. Let's say that's thirty. 4.6%. Yeah, I'd say 34.6.7, somewhere <laughs> in that range. I, no, I think that's I think that's right. And look, the, these players are there. There are great young players in, uh, in the NFL. There's no question about that. But for whatever reason, and that's why, to me, is this a blip, is this not a blip, is a tough question, because you do believe that Cam Newton and Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson and 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 a lot of these young players and some players coming in uh, in the next wave and and who knows you know maybe Dak Prescott maybe some of these other you know other guys are going to become great players and the NFL is going to be fine but we are in a real like a real lull this year and I do think it is stunning to compare it to baseball because obviously. NFL has gotten the better of baseball for the last, whatever, 30 years, 40 years, um, and still does have the better of baseball. It's still way more popular uh, as a national sport. But as a local sport, I think baseball is is in such good position and all of those good young players. I mean, it. we were counting the other day, 25 and younger. We were counting the players. It's, it's it, You're talking about 40 players, 25 or younger, who yeah. are not – who are not like, hey, that guy could be a pretty good player. Who are potential stars 
around the around baseball. Um, it, it's so cool in baseball, and the NFL right now, frankly, is is struggling. So you know, we're up to maybe you know fifty five, sixty percent, and we haven't even talked about what I think is the biggest issue, um, which is the the way the league handles all of its many many problems. I yes. mean, the, the the arrogance, and you know, and I think that that includes. The obvious bad stuff, the the guys doing stuff off the field, uh, concussions, um, you know, some of the bad stuff like that. But it's also just basic stuff like like shoving three and a half, three hour, 45 minute games at us because they want to put commercials on both end of kickoffs. You know, it's there's there's just an arrogance in the way they handle everything that I think is pretty off putting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think of this as like, if you want to create one sort of umbrella category here, you're saying it's like the, 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 the presentation of the product to, yeah. to the consumer. And the, the two main parts of that are, first of all, the continuing absurd screw-ups with how they handle things like domestic violence and concussions and stuff like that. You cannot continue to blow it as badly as the league is blowing it with that stuff and not expect to take a PR hit eventually. It's a, they've gotten away with it for an incredibly long time. But they just, I mean, the Josh Brown thing, which was fairly recently, it was more recently, the first time we talked about this before it disappeared yes. into the ether of the internet forever, uh, it was more recent. But, I mean, for goodness sakes, the John Mara, the owner of Giants, one of the owners of the Giants, uh, was like leading the charge on the Deflategate thing. He was one of the most outspoken owners on Deflategate, and he talks a lot about the integrity of the game and this and that and whatever. And so does Roger Goodell. All these guys, they all talk about it. And then there's a, a kicker, a kicker, a kicker. And by the way, one just again, an umbrella comment. It doesn't matter what position you play. If you commit an act of domestic violence, goodbye. How hard is it to say goodbye? You're not hard. Easier for a kicker. I'm sorry. It's easier for a kicker. It's certainly easier for a kicker, even if you're taking the cynical position that you want to protect your stars or something that's like morally reprehensible, but is like a weird, you know, terrible business decision. Right. This is a kicker, and you know, if if it were if it were Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, you would say, "Too bad." You yeah. Right. And continue to play our sport. But regardless, how do you in 2016? After everything that they've been through, especially in the last five years with this stuff, how do you not, the second that news hits, and you see that, it's, that it has merit, that the reports are real, how do you not just say goodbye? You're cut. I mean, for goodness sake, I just don't understand. They keep making the same mistake over and over and over, and so you're going to take, take a hit. So that's half of it. And then the other half, like you said, is a, someone scores a touchdown, there's a commercial, you come back from the commercial, they kick the ball off, it's a touchback, because every kickoff is a touchback, and then there's a commercial. And at a certain point, it is not worth it for any consumer to spend seven minutes watching nothing happen. I mean, quite literally nothing happening. And so the, the, way, that they, the way that they present the game, both in terms of its actual on-field product, and then the way that the entire league presents itself to consumers is truly bad, and it's have and it's absolutely. I think this is you're right. That overall, this is forty percent of the problem right here. It's just the continuing way that the league itself sort of bungles and mismanages its internal consistency and its internal rule following, 
and then it's and then it's and then it's sort of actual presentation to the to the people who are trying desperately to consume it. And I think they're connected. I really do because I think in both cases you talk about about um, the way they've handled domestic uh, violence uh, over the last few years, um, which is it's staggering. And you keep saying and you say and you're right. How can you keep making mistake after mistake? It's not a mistake for them. This they're doing it on purpose because they don't care. They feel like it's their league and they can do whatever the heck they want. They're above the law. They're above the the petty consumer who might be offended by it. They don't care. And and that arrogance, uh, which by the way, I'm not going to just say this, starts at the commissioner's office and carries on down. And I think people get sick of that. They get sick of being treated, you know, this this talk that still won't die of trying to expand the NFL season to 18 games. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, how they're already arrogant enough that they're charging people full price for preseason games. I mean, how bad of an arrogant do you have to be to do that? And you know, the NFL has become has been so popular that they could do whatever they want. They could get away with all of these things. But now it's a little bit down, a little bit down, a little bit more down. And and people start looking around and I think they go, hey, you know, I have some rights here as a fan. I mean, I, I honestly believe that the NFL is the one sport I would not take my kids to a football game. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, I feel, feel the same way. way. No, no people, people keep, now that the Rams are in L.A., we keep getting asked by friends of ours, like, hey, we got tickets to the game. Do you, you want to go see the Rams? And I'm like, no, I have no interest in that. I mean, first of all, the Coliseum is the worst place on earth to watch a football game. It's awful. But I've been to pro football games. They're not that fun if you have a child with you. They're not that fun regardless. Right. A child with you, the behavior that's exhibited in the stands, the level of drunkenness, the unpleasantness of what people are yelling and screaming. I mean, I have no interest in taking my eight-year-old son to a football game, and that is not going to change for a long time. And, you know, there, there are other issues, too, which are worth at least investigating, although I think one of them is bogus. There was a poll recently where people were asked whether, you, whether certain things had a, had a negative or positive effect, I think, on, on how you view the NFL. And one of them was the national anthem protests that started with Kaepernick and have spread to some other people. And according to this poll, it was something like 56% of people thought that that was having a negative impact on the ratings of the league and stuff. I call BS on this like crazy. I cannot believe that a silent kneel-down protest that is usually not televised and that happens before the game starts is actually causing anyone not to watch football games. Do you agree or disagree? I, it's it's interesting. I, I do agree. I, I'm willing to go like 85 90% with you. Okay. But I'm not going all the way, and here's why. The NFL over the last 25 years probably, that's you know really probably since about 90, 1990, late 80s, started really connecting itself with sort of the – the, the military and patriotism and, and America, okay? I mean, that's, that's been a very big part of sort of the NFL's pitch. And I think that's who they, they want to reach. They really want to reach. This was something NASCAR did very well for a long time. You know, it's sort of patriotic to be an NFL fan. Look at the flyovers. Look at the big flag. Look at the, you know, so I think that there are a lot of NFL fans 
who are indeed offended by by the silent protests that hurt nobody and have no effect whatsoever on the game. I do think. Now, are those people really not watching games now? Well, that's, that's the, the question. question. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that some people disagree. Oh, obviously, people disagree with sure. this but are those people not watching the I don't I, I that's why I'm with you 90%. I I mean there might be people who are like, "Oh, I used to be an NFL fan, but uh, ever since they started doing that kneeling thing, I don't do that anymore." You know. Uh it's probably a very very small number. I don't believe that, but I do believe that for a certain percentage of fans. Now, for a certain percentage of fans, it's sort of it's it's enlivened the NFL. It's like, "Hey, you know, here's here's here's, you know, an athlete actually trying to make a difference. And that's, you know, there's, there's something powerful about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a percentage of NFL fans that it, it definitely hurts the league in their eyes, which is, you know, you don't want to get me started on what I think about that, yeah. but I, but I do believe that that's real. I do believe that that's there. I don't think that has any percentage in our, I mean, it's so, it's a tiny, tiny percentage in our, what's going on with the ratings this year. But it doesn't have to be a tiny percentage on what the NFL is going to be over the next ten years. You know, I, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I suppose. I, I, I guess, guess it's theoretically popular, uh, possible. I don't believe that people are not watching games because some a, a very small number of people are kneeling down during national anthem. I, Probably I, not. I, I Probably just not. can't believe that's true. The last thing that I'll raise though is a possibility, which I think is fun. At least it's fun this. for me. And I brought this up the last time when we recorded this before it disappeared into the ether of the internet forever, is there, I have heard a couple people say that there's a sort of conspiracy theory involving the idea that Deflategate itself has contributed to the poor quality of play. And the reason is, as we all now know, certain quarterbacks like the ball overinflated, certain quarterbacks like it underinflated, certain guys like the ball in different ways. The league never cared. They let people do whatever they wanted to. And now... Because they have to pretend that they're cracking down because they've always cared so much about how much errors in footballs they had to care. And so because of that, they uh, made the ball standardized. And that has led to, for example, Aaron Rodgers, the ball isn't overinflated. He can't throw it well enough. Uh, Andrew Luck, the ball isn't overinflated. He can't throw it the way he used to throw it. Certain guys like the ball underinflated, they can't throw the ball as well as they used to throw it. Like that is kind of screwing everybody up because they're not. They don't get to have the ball be the way that they want it to be. If this is true, it's, and it's actually contributing to a lower level of play league-wide, I, for one, couldn't be happier. It would make me so, so deliriously happy if that were true. If the league, if the entire league was suffering for a non-rule that no one cared about, that it didn't matter at all, that it was only helping the game be as good as the game could possibly be, if they, be in their, their insane fervor to, like, punish Tom Brady and the Patriots, standardize the inflation of the ball, which, again, who cares, and they made it so the guys can't actually play as well as they used to play, I'm so happy. Did you, is there anything to that, or is that a crazy conspiracy? It's, it's, I don't know if there's anything to it, but I, uh, I want to believe. I do, too. <laughs> one, of, one of the great things about that, by the way, is, you'll notice Tom Brady seems to be fine. Tom Brady seems to be throwing the ball pretty well. Yeah. Last, last I checked. Um, <laughs> here's here's what I will say. There was if you think about the motivation, because the NFL changed the rules about how footballs were handled. 
I don't remember the exact year, like 2008 or 2007, like 10 years ago, something right. like that. Because Tom Brady and Peyton Manning essentially made this pitch, which was just let us pick the footballs, right? I mean, what difference does it make? <clears throat> we like football a certain way. Right. We should be allowed to throw them. We're the quarterbacks. We're not asking for anything. We're not asking for you know to 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 make it flat. But we want we want some freedom in in what we can make the football. We want to be able to put it in mud and and kick it in the in the rain and put it in washing machines. Whatever. I don't know all the stuff they did, but they did tons of stuff to to make the footballs easier to throw, better to throw, better to catch, whatever. And the NFL agreed to that rule. And and what I think is very, very, the only thing to me that's compelling about that is the NFL made a rule that was basically like, this will improve the quality of play. Right. This will make the game more fun for people to watch. That's it. That's the only compelling reason you do that. It's like, hey, this is going to make the game more fun. Let's do it. Why not? And so they do that. And then all these years later in clearly what is just going to go down as a as a you know just an amazing you know revenge witch hunt by the NFL toward the Patriots for whatever reason don't even need to know why or what the what the the background is they they went against the spirit of this of this idea that the whole point of it was to let the quarterbacks have a football they could throw in all conditions and 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 suspended the one of the great players the star player the singular star player I think at this point in the NFL for four games because of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember look, that. I, look I, there's a karma thing no matter what that to me is like somebody's got to pay. I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a huge, you know, metaphysical or whatever. But, yeah, you can't do that and not have it come back at you. Well, the, the interesting thing, and let's say that now through some combination of percentages that we long ago stopped calculating, we now reached 100% of what we know is the explanation. But I, the, the interesting thing here is that you know, people like Roger Goodell and the owners of the various teams and the rules committee and all those kinds of people have been utterly impervious to criticism for a very long time now for the simple reason that the product was working, right? The game was expanding popularity, the ratings were massive, the amount of money they were extorting the networks for was unprecedented. They would. They had more product endorsements than the there's. There's about nine beers that are the official beer of the NFL. They make so much money. They're making money hand over fist. They're building new stadiums with taxpayer money, by the way. And yes. just, it's just a crazy boom cycle. It's, it's California 1849 is is has been the NFL for so long now. If this trend continues, right, if the ratings continue to slip and erode, if the grumbling about the quality of play continues, if they don't have a standard practice for how to deal with domestic violence and with concussions and all that sort of stuff, if more and more players are retiring early because they're acknowledging that the strain and stress and, and brutality of the game is just too much and they're not interested in living out their lives in a, in a less than... 100% physically capable way. Sure. And all, if that stuff continues, suddenly things that have worth three years ago you would have thought were impossible become possible. Things like evaluate, actually evaluating Roger Goodell and his job performance yes. instead of just continuing to pay him $40 million a year no matter what happens or how bad the scandals are. Things like you know a, a, maybe a weight limit for players or an age minimum for players or something, you know, Stuff throughout the country in youth football where, you know, the, the, you, you can't have contact, full contact youth football until, 
age 15 or something, all of this stuff that you would have, five, even five years ago, you would have said, like, no way, this will never happen. Suddenly that starts happening if and when the league continues to suffer a decline. And, you know, ultimately, sports leagues, traditionally speaking, have been, their popularity has been a little bit cyclical. You know, the NBA will have a glory time with Jordan, and then, you know, baseball had a glory time in the, in the 80s and 90s, and then football had a glory time in the last 15 years. These things do, are cyclical. And if football is on a little bit of a downtrend, and maybe the NBA and possibly even MLB is on the way up, possibly, you know, depending on, you know, if... Baseball has two or three more postseasons in a row the way that this last one went. Then suddenly it's like everyone's talking about baseball. Uh, you know, it's like it, 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 it can happen. It seemed impossible for so long because football has been so dominant. But I don't think this, this is either a blip on the radar and next year everything back to normal or this is the beginning of a trend that will lead to changes being made in the league. Well, I hope it's the, the latter. Not, not only because, you know, the NFL sort of needs a little bit of a comeuppance. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, they do need that. But some changes need to be made. And you're 100% right. When you are, when you're just, you know, just flying on top of the world, like the NFL was for so long. I mean, the, who in, in, what business in any walk of life had what the NFL had over the last 15 years, 20 years? You know, I mean, it's like, it was the only thing on television that 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 sold on a consistent basis. It was it was you know every company wanted to be a part of it, so on and so on and so on. And when you're flying on top like that, you don't make changes. You don't have to. You you know they, you really the arrogance that you feel because you feel like you built this thing um, is is overwhelming. And and it's what you know it's it's what happens to great companies all the time. You know there was a time that that Cadillac. Um, was, you know, sold more cars than every other luxury car in the world combined, right? It was Cadillac was, it was the essence, it was, everything was called a Cadillac. Hey, that's the Cadillac of whatever. Right. And, and now it's not like that for Cadillac at all. And, and, you know, part of it's arrogance and part of it's not keeping up. And I think the NFL is, is going, look, they're not going to, they're not, they're not dying, they're still the most popular sport. They're still making millions and millions and millions of dollars over the top. It's still hugely, overwhelmingly popular. But 15% drop-offs are real, and and they, you feel them no matter how big you are. And then if it's another 5%, another 3%, another 10%, suddenly you're looking around and going, oh, we need answers, and that arrogance doesn't get you anywhere anymore. And that's, the NFL, in my view for the NFL – to be a long-standing league that connects with people I know, connects with me and people I know, they've got to make changes. And and they're not going to do it now because I think they're going to see this and think, yeah, this is a blip. But if this continues, and I think it might, and it won't be as big as this year, and there'll probably be a little bit of a rebound next year. But over the next five to ten years, I think we're going to see the NFL face real issues. And I think it'll be good for the league because I think the league needs – uh, some real changes and some real thought about what it is and and what it represents because I you know that's it's been too long since there's been any sort of inward looking by the NFL. And to your point, not when, when things, things are going well, not only do people not make changes, they are scared to make changes. Sure, they are. It ain't broke, don't fix it kind of way, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like, like if you, you it, they that's could go. 
a certain uh, length to explain why they haven't changed anything. It's because for so long, things were going so well that any change, if anybody said, hey, we might need to get ahead of X, Y, and Z, the natural response would be, why? Everything's great. People are actually, it actually hinders change. And it's only the truly sort of forward-thinking companies and organizations that can, even when things are going really well, can take stock and say, like, hey, I think this is a problem and we might need to address it before it becomes a thing that's actively hurting us. And that clearly, they haven't done anything approaching that. I mean, they really have. They are being dragged kicking and screaming into making changes about their domestic violence. It's only when, it, when it's become an, an, an immense embarrassment and not just being reported on by in the sports media world, but in the national media world, when these massive things come up, that's finally they're like, okay, yeah, I guess we should do something about this. So they're certainly not a forward-thinking organization. They are certainly a, this is boom time, let's ride it out as long as we can kind of an organization. And, I, and it is, like you said, they're not going anywhere. Football isn't going anywhere. Even if they continue to erode for years at the pace they're eroding now, they would be the most dominant sport in terms of the amount of money they get from oh, yeah. for years and years and years and years and years. But if they're going to fix things, if this is a trend and not a blip, they got to start now because you know you, you wait too long and suddenly the solutions to these problems become tougher and tougher. So it's true. It's true. I should add, by the way, as, as we come to the end of this thing, I should add, I don't know anything about football. Just, <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought that was clear. Do, do people need us to say that? Oh, we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we solved, again, one more time, solved the world's problems. Yeah, so uh, uh, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. me.